talking today again about play it, making the most of the hand life has dealt you. And I'm going to get down to where we live today. I promise you before I'm done, I shall. You're going to have to make the most of the hand life has dealt you. We'd all like to opt for another hand. Nearly everybody I know would like to be able to sneak a peek at somebody else's cards and say, can I take one of those and give you this one? Doesn't work out like that. We begin with the text that we've used, James 4, 14, for what is your life? We're talking about building your dream. And my contention has been, as philosophers say, that this question right there from the Bible is one of the top ten most significant and important questions you will ever ask in your entire lifetime. And of course, Christians, I've heard some say, oh, no, no, that's not right. The most important question is, what must I do to be saved? Wait. You've got to understand the sequence. You don't ask this one. You don't ask that one, rather. What must I do to be saved until you ask this one right here? This one comes first. You have to successfully assess your present circumstance. You don't fix your marriage. You don't fix your health. You don't fix any of these things. You don't fix your business. If you're in business and you need to make uh, adjustments that will help you to make a mid-course correction that equates to being, you know, fit to be able to do business in the present and current economic situation, you won't do that until you ask this question right here. Everything grows out of this question. And I want to talk about some of the things that, that, that we find when we ask this question. Philippians 3, 13, 15, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind and so forth. The Bible is an amazing book. Amazing. I want to talk to you about one of its most profound insights today. Father, I pray that you will speak a word to us now. All of us are fully aware that we can study the word from the perspective of using our cognitive abilities, our intellectual abilities to seek what information the Bible possesses, or we can use that and then in addition to that pray that you would cause to happen to us what happened to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They already knew the Bible. They knew the scriptures they discussed. They had learned them as children. And yet they said after you talked to them, their hearts burned within them. Let that happen to us today. Make your word come alive, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. An amazing book. The longer I live, the more profound grows my respect for the Bible. All of these years that it has been assailed and attacked and people have sought to disprove it. I think of Voltaire, the famous French atheist and agnostic, well, atheist and before I think he had been agnostic. But then he made the boast that within a hundred years of his day that the Bible would not be printed anymore. He said in 50 years from his day, people will be smart enough they won't believe it. But a hundred years from his day that it wouldn't even be printed and God, who always has the last laugh, has such an incredible sense of humor. Voltaire's house 
still stands in Paris. You're aware of that. You are aware that buildings over there are often hundreds of years of, of age, right? Well, Voltaire's house is still standing. Guess who owns it? The Bible Society. And they publish in his very house the Bible he said would not even be printed. And that's been way, way over 100 years ago, 200 years ago, I guess, at, at least now. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says, Dear friend, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. This is the message. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate! Exclamation mark. Learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live. Really live. Body and soul, they're bursting with health. That's what happens when you study the Bible. As I said, it has been attacked and continues to be. And they continue to say things that would discredit the Bible. For years, one of the, the favorite stories they like to tie to discredit was King David, who as a lad fought Goliath. You remember that one? How many of y'all heard that one ridiculed? Guess what happened this week? It was in the news this week in the city of Gath because Goliath was of Gath. You can read that in 1 Samuel. In the city of Gath, they have found the city of Gath. They're excavating. They found a plaque that mentioned Goliath, the giant of Gath. <laughs> I just love the way God, somebody says, ah, the Bible. And God says to an archaeologist, dig right over here. <laughs> Amen. One of the great questions we have about life is with this verse promising us that we would live, really live. One of the great questions is, why is life then sometimes unfair? And we think that to live, really live means that there will not be any pain in our lives or any difficulty. But truth of the matter is... Sooner or later in every person's life, you will be confronted with something that's going to make you ask, why the unfairness in life? Why are some healthy and some are sickly? Why do some have children that develop cancer and others, their kids grow up and get married and give them grandchildren? Why are some rich? Why are some poor? Why do some seem to get all the breaks and others not? Why do some people's job play out? Why do some get promotions and others don't? And somehow in our hearts, we think that we have entered into an agreement with God that when we get saved and we become believers, that we will be exempted from all conflict, all pain, all things that cause us suffering. I really wish I could tell you that that contract that we think we have signed existed. But just like in marriage, there are hidden contracts that you enter into that your spouse didn't know one thing about. <laughs> you enter, we enter into salvation with this hidden expectation from God. And God looks and says, hey, guys, that, that, I'd like for it to be that way, but that wasn't part of the deal. I will never forget whenever... I first asked this question. It was many years ago. And I'll tell you how long ago it has been. Andrew will be 25. My grandson, Andrew, 
My oldest grandson will turn 25 in just a few days. And at that time, he was seven. And I was in India with one of the doctors from the church, Dr. J. Watson, who we have blessed. And his brother-in-law was a member here and his wife, Jay's sister. And they all worshipped here. And we sent them and they started a church. It's doing well. Jay's the worship leader and we still stay in touch. Great people of God. Just love them so much. But we were in India together and we had been down uh, in Chennai and, and we had been where there were 10,000 Christian people, leaders that had come together, extreme poverty and a lot of circumstances and we had flown back into Mumbai and, and many of the ex-British colonies, they don't have red lights, it stops at, uh, our, our red lights at our stoplights as we would call them. And uh, instead, they have roundabouts, which is a circle, and roads feed into it from four different directions, maybe, like this. And, and so what you do is you just ease into it. As the other cars slow down to make the circle, you ease in in front of them or behind the car uh, that just passed and, and uh, slows things down, but it keeps the traffic flowing, right? We had come to the roundabout just outside Mumbai Airport, and they fixed all of this up since then. It's much different now, but lots of beggars used to be there, lots of beggars. And there was this one little kid. I've told this story maybe three or four times. If, I, if I've told it, you remember it. Just forgive me for being redundant. This one little kid staggered up to the car. There were a lot of them, but one of them caught my attention. And he had this little square tubercular chest and pipe stem arms and legs that didn't look like they were any bigger than my, my little finger. And eyes sunk back in his head and swollen, fevered, and he was nearly blind and, and delirious and staggered when he walked. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. And my heart was instantly seized, and I reached into my pocket to grab what few rupees I had left. We were going to the departure terminal, and I didn't need them, and it wasn't much anyway, and I was going to give it to this kid. And before I could get the window down to give it to the child, the taxi found an opening and the traffic pulled out and left that kid standing there. And I was so grieved. And I turned to Dr. J and I said, do you see that kid? And he said, yeah. I said, it's sad, isn't it? I said, how long do you think that kid had? And he said, well, I'd have to examine him to see what's going on, but it looks like he maybe had tuberculosis and obviously he's severely malnourished feverish, almost in a state of delirium, judging by the way his eyes were rolling back in his head, and he was staggering so weak. I said, really, how, how much time do you think he's gone? He said, maybe three days. He said, he probably has malaria on top of that, parasites and other things. And boy, my heart smote me, because at that moment, you know what my thought was? By what grace of God was I born in America and raising my grandson here when I could have been born there and that could have been my grandson that was about to die on the streets. And you do know that in Mumbai, they send trucks through every morning to pick up the dead that have died on the streets during the night. That was when it really hit home to me. It was one of those moments when you realize some do get a better shake out of life so it seems, than do others. One, a child develops cancer. Another goes scot-free. Another family isn't affected. Wars break out in some places. Others, no, they, they have peace. An accident robs a family of, a, of the, the dad, the sole wage earner, 
and a little mother's got to struggle with small children to take care of them and deal with all of that. And they're just losses that happen in this world that are very difficult to be able to reconcile in terms of our understanding of what fairness is. And for many people, life doesn't, quote, add up. You know what I mean? I'm talking to people right now in this building that are believers, but for you, you've had questions about how life adds up. Yeah, sure you have. And you have to be able to make life add up if you're going to be able to do this right here and build your dream. I promise you, you've got to get an answer to that question, what is your life? No matter what level you are, you've got to ask in that question and then be honest enough to be able to self-assess Look at where you are and see where you need growth, improvement, and then at the same time deal with the areas of your life that you haven't voted for that have happened anyway. Amen. You've got to make life add up. Again, forgive me, Boudreaux applied for a job. Amen. And as part of the process, he had to pass a few simple tests, and one of them was in communication skills, and here was his first question. Without using numbers, represent the number nine. Now, could you do that? Represent the number nine without using numbers. Without numbers, Boudreaux taught, ah, Shad, that's easy. And he proceeded to draw three trees. And afterward, the personnel manager looked at the drawing and said, what is this? And Boudreaux asked, what do you mean, what is this? You don't understand the question? Tree plus tree plus tree equals nine. You've got to figure out some way to get those trees to equal nine in your life. Amen. Life deals everybody a different hand. Amen. Last week when I spoke, a couple of weeks ago, actually last Sunday was the, the children's thing as we pray for our kids and send them back into a new school year to keep them covered by the grace and blood of Jesus. But I ask you, what do you do when life is unfair? Because I have shown you from the scripture, it is inherently in this world unfair. We know that. And you can try and deny it, and all you are doing is denying what is obvious to everyone else. And the failure to be honest and admit that life is unfair sometimes make Christians seem to be out of touch with what's really going on in the world. But what do you do when life's unfair to you? You get mad? Some people do. I mentioned somebody that I knew that was a member of my family, actually, I don't think I told you that, whose child died, and he walked out in the, the yard and shook his fist at the heavens and said, God, I'll never speak to you again as long as I live and curse God. I've not heard from him in all these years. I don't know how that turned out with him. You take it out on others? Some do. They sure do. I mean, it, you don't believe people carry some stuff just cut somebody off in traffic and see, amen. Some wallow in self-pity or to answer that question, what is your life and to be able to build your dream, have you learned yet to make the most of the hand that God has dealt you, life has dealt you, and through Christ and his grace, turn what even looks like a losing hand into a winning one. We've been looking just a real quick review at the reasons why life doesn't deal us all the same hand. And I pointed out the first reason is the world and everything in it is broke. Yeah, it's broke. 
The economy is broke. Your health is broke. Our relationships are broke. Sin broke the world, not God. Sin did all of that. Amen. Did you guys see that about that shark attack and that surfing competition off South Africa here? It was in the news. I mean, that went viral. I've been down there diving with these great whites, and they are something. They're like submarines. I'm serious. Put that up there, and I want to show you in this clip of this guy. minutes of the final heat of the World Surf League's J-Bay Open in South Africa, it wasn't the competition that three times world champion Mick Fanning had to worry about, but the wildlife. As live cameras rolled, the 34-year-old Australian fought off a shark attack by apparently punching it in the back and lived to tell the tale. I bet that's the fastest he ever swam in his whole life. Amen. I bet. <laughs> Did you hear about the lady on YouTube? She's hilarious. And don't think she's a foolish person either. This woman is smart. She's got over 11 million views. She's a Christian. This was her comment after that. Watch this. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and eat meat in it. Hallelujah. I'm on my way to church this morning. But I wanted to make a quick video um, because my spirit was troubled this morning. I had the news on. It was talking about somebody else and got ate up by a shark. I want you all to be mindful when you're vacationing. You know, you're going to the beach. Do that. Go to the beach. Don't go to the ocean. Okay? The ocean is the shark's house. Okay? I'm not. And I can swim. I can swim. My whole body is a, a flotation device. My whole body is a flotation device. I don't have to do nothing to float. But I can swim, but I'm not going to the ocean because that's the shark's house. Okay? The shark has the right to eat you up when you're in his house. When chickens come in my house, guess what? They get ate. When pigs come in my house, they own the plate. So when you go in the shark's house, you're going to get ate up. Okay? So I want you to be safe. I want you to be you, you got to admit, that says it right there. And don't, don't think she's uneducated. She's a counselor. She just has a tremendous sense of personality. A tremendous personality. Amen. Tremendous sense of humor. Well, that pretty much says it to me. You go in the shark's house, you're going to get eaten up. <laughs> We're in the shark's house. The Bible calls Satan the God of this present world. Come on, help me out now. You're in the devil's house when you live in this world. Oh, I know Jesus is going to come evicting. It doesn't really belong to him. But until he comes and gets evicted, you've got to understand he's messed some stuff up. Yes, he has. He's messed some stuff up. And things are not going the way God designed them to go in creation. So that's the first reason that life deals you an unfair hand is the world is broken. The second is each person's hand is unique because of the fact that your biology is different. And everyone, you know, has a different genetics and different DNA and all of that. And we, we talked about all that. And let's move on. And we are uniquely made. Well, even why we are uniquely made can be traced back to several factors. And the first one is 
simply this, that our relationships make us unique, don't they? All of us have different relationships, and they affect us in different ways, and that's especially true of our primary relationships that were developed early in life. You don't get to choose who your parents are. You don't get to choose any of that stuff, who your relatives are. You don't. You get born into a family, and uh, you didn't get to say, mm, I'll take that one right over there, you know? Lives in River Oaks. No, I, you didn't get to do that. Uh-uh. And so last time I talked about how that not only does our biology make us different, but I spent the, most of the session on these relationships and how they affect us and even affect our view of others and our view of God. And this, this is really important. I talked about, about things that really affect the way even that we worship or the way we think God feels toward us. I want us to move on to another factor that makes us unique now, and these are the things that happen to us. Amen. Very seldom do you have any control over the things that I've mentioned thus far. You don't have control over your biology. You don't have control over the fact the world is broken. You don't have control over your relationships, at least not your earliest ones. You don't. You didn't get to vote on who your cousins were going to be. None, none of that. And all of these things have had an impact on you. But not only do they make you unique, so do the things you have lived through. Amen. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11 says, I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is what? Not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance, say it with me, happen to who? To them all. Oh, wait a minute. What about that hidden contract that if I get saved, that exempts me from any of this other stuff happening in my life? And it is this very thing that causes many people to stumble when it comes to serving God. It's why a lot of people stop building their dream. And before I'm done today, I hope to kickstart some of your progress back in that direction, help you get started constructing your dream once again, because many people come to God, and then something happens that is unfair, uncalled for, they didn't vote on it, didn't ask for it, didn't want it, and something good happens to somebody else, and that person that the good thing happened to is not even saved, now that will mess you up right there. If you don't believe it will, look at Psalm 73. Because the worship leader said, I was envious at the prosperity of the wicked and my foot had almost slipped until I went to the house of God. Then understood I their end. The worship leader said that I was messed up. It affected me. God, why are these other people doing so well? And here I am trying to serve you and being a worship leader in church and having all of this stuff blow up in my life and in my face. Amen. And this is the reality. That as long as we live in a fallen world, time and chance does happen to all of us. I'm going to show you there's a difference between what happens next, though, 
to us who are believers and to those who are in the, in the world. Because this world is broken, it will affect your circumstances. And, and I need you to know that. And you will, in the course of your life, have problems and trouble you didn't plan for and that you did not deserve, earn, or merit, or do anything wrong that made you be set up to be judged to have this happen in your life. And this is one of the things that I've tried to deal with through the years and help people, particularly that were raised like I was in a harsh background because, I mean, anything bad happened, oh, I wonder what I did to misplease God, you know, because I was raised tough, <laughs> you know, and then you discover as you go through the list that there wasn't anything you did that, that displeased God. But something bad happened anyway. You mean bad stuff happens to you and you're a believer and you didn't do anything to deserve it? Yes. Look at this. Job 14 and 1. Man who is born of woman is a few days and what? Full of trouble. Oh, that's Job, pastor. Amen. <laughs> well, then let's, how about Jesus? Will he work for you? John 16 and 33, these things have I spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's what our Lord and Savior said. Amen. Now, don't think for a minute that I'm prognosticating that bad things are going to happen in your life. I'm not here, as you know, to preach that. I don't preach a message like that. I preach rather that in God you always win if you will just keep your faith anchored in, on Jesus Christ. Amen. And centered around him. But I am going to tell you that being a Christian doesn't mean that you get exempted from sickness. Doesn't mean that if there are layoffs that you might not get laid off. Doesn't mean you're going to get every promotion that is due you. Hello? And some people tie that together in their mind and become disappointed in God when these things that are programmed into a fallen world happen to them as believers. Jesus said you'll have tribulation. What does that mean? The Greek word means pressure, stress, anguish, trouble. Anybody here ever have trouble? In, do any of you in this building know what stress is? Stress is a mess. And you can say, I'm too blessed to be stressed, but you're still a mess. Amen. That's just the way life goes. You're in a fallen world. Trouble has an effect on you. Problems end up shaping your life, and so does stress, and so does pain. They do shape your life. They shape your responses to certain things. They, respect, they, they shape your outlook on life. Uh, pain, for example, here's one we've heard all of our lives. Man, I got burned by that deal, and man, and I can't handle that kind of stuff anymore. We talk about being burned and the sensitivity it develops in us toward things that look or resemble what burned us. I thought I understood what that meant until I came here many years ago and received a phone call. One of the ladies that was a member of our congregation worshipped here. 
her husband worked in one of the plants and they were cleaning the industrial area where he was at and they were using a flammable liquid and I don't know what happened to trigger the, the fire cigarette or spark or something, but electrical, I just don't know. But he was burned, this is horrible, with third degree burns over 94% of his body. And I got called to go to Herman Hospital and pray for him. The only place where he did not, it may have been 96% of his body, the only place that he did not have third degree burns, the only place was the belt around his waist and the soles on the bottom of his feet where his shoes had kept him from having third degree burns. His head was swollen to the size of a beach ball. And they had a sheet draped across his body that was kept from touching his body by some kind of rack or, or some kind of little metal structure, plastic structure or something, I don't know, didn't look to see. All I know is that he could not stand the weight of a sheet on his body. That's what it means to be burned and be sensitive. I know people that have been burned in life and marriage. And as a result of that, you can't stand the slightest thing to happen that resembles what you think might be the beginning of a betrayal of whether it's a betrayal or not. It's not what's important. You can't stand the touch of the sheet. And you'll do anything to avoid that now, even if it means distancing yourself from people the rest of your life. You won't let walls down. You're, you're busy with a trowel and mortar and brick, and you're putting up walls as fast as you can around you because you're not going to be burned anymore. It's not going to ever happen to you again. Same thing happens in so many different ways in life. Happens with people in churches. They go to churches and and they're sincere and they start out with this, this wonderful sense of innocence and purity when they get saved. And then in the course of, of being in that church, somebody disappoints them and hurts them. And, and when they get through the experience, they don't want to go to church anywhere anymore. And yet they need the house of God and they need the fellowship of believers, but they've been disillusioned. It was how they processed it. And the reason they had a problem processing it was not really with the the procedure of processing, it was with the original expectation. That's where the problem stemmed from. I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm in church. It's safe, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sinners come to church. Amen. Yeah, every once in a while, ladies, when they come forward to the altar, will leave their purse at the pew. And I've always tried to tell folk, don't do that. Sinners go to church. They do. Amen. My point is simply this, that many people in the course of building their dream, whether that dream is a business, a family, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a ministry, whether it's a church, whether whatever it may be, they encounter something they did not expect to have happen. And when it does happen, wham, like a fist in the pit of their stomach, they double over. The pressure, the stress knocks them to their knees. And they don't get through that 
they just from that point forward just kind of falter and limp along. As a pastor, I'm in a unique position in that I see things that a lot of people go through. And I will tell you, first of all, I am amazed. I really am. I'm amazed at how some people go through things. And instead of it making them weak, <laughs> they get stronger. That, that amazes me. I am amazed that some people can experience such great pain and turn out better for it rather than bitter for it. I love that. I see it draws some people closer to God, and I see others who have been through less, it drives them away from God. And I always wonder, what was the reason for this? And you know what I've decided? I think I'm right here. I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. I think that sometimes it has to do with this whole thing about playing the hand you were dealt. We find out what cards we're holding, and we say, hey, to the dealer, hey, wait a minute, that wasn't right. You shouldn't have done this. And God says, hey, I didn't have anything to do with it. It's a broke world. The world I created was perfect. But we end up blaming God because he's the, as it were, the single most important authority figure in our lives. Others, however, thrive in the face of adversity. And like a lump of coal under pressure, they end up becoming a diamond. <laughs> they, they do. And like a grain of sand in an oyster, they turn it into a pearl that you know, sparkling, enchanting, glowing. Others collapse in the, just in the face of misfortune. Years ago, many years ago, they developed a technique called drown proofing. If you ever are on a cruise, because some of you go on cruises, and you ever fall overboard, God forbid, please don't let that happen. Remember, that's the shark's house. <laughs> just wondered if you were watching a while ago. Amen. There was a guy that fell off a merchant ship that could not swim. Not making this up. And he stayed alive for several days. And this is what he did. He realized that it was useless to thrash and fight the water. So he allowed himself to just sink. And when you do, like that lady said, she's a human flotation device. Most of us are not that lucky. Amen. We have a neutral buoyancy line that goes right through the middle of our eyes, which would be fantastic if your nose was on top of your head. But since it's not, that creates a problem when it comes to breathing. So he would just relax. The water would go right there. And when he needed a breath, he'd scissor his legs one time and push down with his hands. And his head would pop up enough above the surface to get a breath of air. And he stayed alive until somebody saw him and picked him up. The same week, there was a story about a lady who drowned in her bathtub in Florida. Here's one in the vast Atlantic that can't swim. And here's another one who dies in a bathtub. You see, all of us are going to have some bad stuff happen. And when it happens to us, to us, it's the worst thing that ever occurred in the history of our lives and fact, if you want to know the truth, the history of the world. <laughs> That's why people say, you have no idea what I'm going through. Amen. 
because they really mean that. This is, this is it for them. This is hard. And you will face stuff in life that are going to, that's going to be hard and going to be difficult even as a believer. Yet, I see some who in the middle of it thrive and end up developing a technique that's now taught around the world to help others be drown-proofed. And then somebody else drowns in the bathtub. Some people are made better by adversity. One finds an opportunity to excel in the middle of adversity, while somebody else, on the other hand, finds a reason to become discouraged. What is it that makes the difference in our life? I think that this thing I'm talking about is really important here, that in this world, you do not get to control the shots all the time. Some of them you can, and serving God does not exempt you from the fact that you are going to someday die a natural death. It is appointed unto man once to die. That wasn't the world God originally created, but it's a result of the fallen world we live in now. And you're going to have things happen, and you and your family will, will, will go through some stuff. But here's the difference, that with God, he always partners with you to make a losing hand become a winning hand. Amen. You win with God every single time. Look. Some people outside who may or may not even know Christ have already learned this. What's this? This is a, a, something I found interesting. Hello. How you doing up there? Hi. You doing okay? Yeah, yes, my, name, my, name, my name's Drew. Uh, I, uh, I, have a, I, have a, I have a stutter. That's what, that's, that's what that is. And what is your talent? I'm a, I'm a g g comedian. A comedian, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when did you start doing comedy? For, for about four years ago. I, 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 did, I didn't want to uh, always do co comedy, but uh, I had a, I had a sport, sports injury. That's, that's, that's why I talk, talk, like, talk like this. Almost four years, years ago, I was on a uh, soft, soft, softball team. There was a grounder that took a took a bad hop and uh, hit me in my throat, which damaged some nerves in my vocal cords. Excuse, excuse, excuse me. I, I felt angry about it at, at at first. I started to like write down all my frustrations on like a, a napkin in the hospital. <laughs> my girlfriend um, encouraged me to try just talking about those those things on stage, and I started to do comedy as a way of like. I guess coping with it. I don't know. I was, I was, I was feel better after you talk, 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 talk to me. <laughs> the person I was, I was before, would probably never hang out with, with who I am today. I thought people were lucky if they got to talk, talk to me, and uh, that was a jerk. I feel a lot of responsibility to show, 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 show people that you can turn any, anything into, into, into a positive. How does softball cause a stutter? Uh, well, I, I guess you're not supposed to, supposed to go to sleep on a c concussion, but yeah, I, I, know that, I know that 
now. Uh, and uh, <laughs> learn. Yeah, live, yeah. live and you live and you learn. And uh, uh, I'm anxious to hear your act. I wish you the best of luck. The stage is yours. They, 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 they I'm okay with 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 my with my my voice, but I I still struggle with some some things. Like like like, I have the hardest time at a drive-through. <laughs> you know, cause cause you cause you got you got to say the say the order fast, and you're and you're and you're talking through an intercom. It's like I don't know why I I I work work there. <laughs> but, I don't, <laughs> I would, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get to, to where people start, start to use my, my, my voice as, as, as the voice of their G, G, GPS. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like, in, 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 one, one thousand, a Your your destination is 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 ahead of you on the on the on the on the right. Oh 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 re 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 rerouting. Oh oh you 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 oh oh re 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 you 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 turn you 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 turn you you should you should have got. I believe that you 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 can turn and and anything and do do positive. That's why I'm here. But I've come along some some people who don't think 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 that. Like I did a show show one time where 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 a guy stood up and it's like, hey, you 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 can't just make make fun of disabilities just just cause you you have one. I was I was like. I was like, well, did 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 I stutter? Thank you guys. That's what I'm talking about right there. You see, you can get mad, you can get bitter, you can get down in the dumps, suffer depression. Everybody gets some raw deals in the course of life. And one of the biblical principles, I don't know if the young man's a believer or not, I, I, I don't know, but I do know this, that the principle he's embracing there and demonstrating for us is a biblical principle. You don't throw up your hands and quit. This is the upward climb, the upward call of God. Regardless of what happens, you keep reaching. You keep reaching. The reason that I'm talking about this today is because some of us have stopped. I, I'm not calling anybody out and making anybody feel bad, not putting anybody on the spot. There are no spotlights shining across the auditorium today, but the reality is, is that some people in this building were just tagged by that little simple story of this guy that is the stuttering comedian. Because we had something bad happen to us, but we never found the humor in it. Never learned to laugh at it. And it made us sensitive if anybody else laughed. Oh, boy. And that has been a source of pain. We haven't learned how to process it. And we still get hung up. And in psychology or counseling, they teach you to do a lifeline, a life map. And what that 
is, is you start with a piece of paper that's blank, and on one side you write the date of your birth, and way over here on the other side you write today's date, and then you find the significant events that happened in the course of your life, and you make an intersection across this straight line that you now have drawn from the date of your birth to the date that is today. You draw a straight line, now intersect that with the days or times when significant events happened that profoundly impacted your life. And among those would be your first day in school and the day you graduated and, and maybe the day you began and then graduated university, the day you got married. Everybody puts those. But do you know what they found? That most people, when you look at a person's lifeline, most people, their lifeline is made up of all the bad stuff with those few exceptions that I just mentioned. When you started school, graduated, started university, graduated, got married, first child, all the other stuff is a bunch of pain that we, we focus on. We just write the other down, but, but where we're really living in the course of our lifeline, our life map, is all of this hurtful stuff that's occurred in the course of our life. And as I mentioned a while ago, pain affects us. And much of this stuff has not been processed. And, and if you ever get hung up in your life, what a counselor will do is say, let's sit down and make a life map, a lifeline. Write it out for me. Because they can look at that and then look at you and say, this is where you're hung up right here. These things. And, and you may even say, oh, no, no, no. I got beyond that. And some people, that, that they're going to be adamant. I got beyond that. But they haven't. And it's affected them. And what you and I must understand when we come into the kingdom of God is there are no contracts that we sign that say that we're not going to have a few bad things happen here and there. No, we're not. And Andre Crouch recently passed away, maybe a year ago. And he's the great gospel artist and songwriter, pastored in the L.A. area. But he wrote the song that from time to time I've mentioned here, maybe three or four times over the course of the years, he wrote a song called Through It All. Do y'all remember that one? Through It All. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And he says in the course of that song, words like this, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. You see, every one of those intersections that was negative is actually supposed to be a place that demonstrates how great God is in your life. Amen. You survived it, didn't you? You're still here. Look at somebody and say, I'm still here. Amen. That's right. You're here. You survived it. Don't get hung up and let your mind stay back there because you're here in 2015 and that happened in 1997. Come on. Forget that which is behind. This is the upward call of God. The marriage that ended when someone betrayed you and hurt you and, and disappointed you and now you've got all these walls and, and you're so sensitive to disappointment and betrayal you experienced in a church somewhere or, or at the hands of people that you were in relationship with early on in life who you didn't get to vote that they were in your life. They were there, a mom or a dad or an uncle or whatever. Just any number of things that you might have gone through. 
Don't let it make you bitter because that's what some people do. That's what happened to Job's wife. Job, why don't you just curse God and die? But you know what Job said? What every one of us should say. You talk like a foolish woman. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I know that whatever I walk through, God's going to process it and turn it around for my good. And there's going to be a divine reversal come about. And God's going to mix it with some grace and process it. And I'm going to be a better person. And God's going to show me something about himself that I would not have known had I not walked through it. Amen. Your faith is strengthened by those things that stop others if you just will hold on to God's unchanging hand. Amen. This is what you need to, to know. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. God's law is nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Height, depth, principality, power, things present, things to come. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's not an army big enough that hell's ever put together. Not a weapon devastating enough. Amen. There are not enough weapons of mass destruction in the devil's spiritual arsenal to stop you. What they will do is only drive you forward if you will continue to believe in God play the hand you're dealt it will win before it's over yes it will it will win before it's over amen